Someone once said, a wise man learns from his own mistakes, but a wiser man learns from the mistakes of others. Um, So if the shoe fits. (laughs) You know, the Bible is filled with stories about the life and death of numerous people. Um, We can learn a lot about their relationship with God and of his relationship with them uh, by observing their character and conduct. And so one of the nice things about reading the Bible is we can learn a lot about who God is, about who other people are, and we can actually learn a lot about ourselves. For example, Moses. Our text calls him there the servant of the Lord. Moses, the servant of the Lord. So you might be asking, what is a servant? Well, in the Hebrew, the word simply means someone who serves. That's very profound, right? A servant is someone who serves. And it has a lot of connotations. But in this case, Moses was one who served the plan and purposes of God. He was chosen as a representative to the children of Israel. God called Moses before he was ever born to be his spokesperson to his people. And so I'd like for us this morning to consider a couple things about Moses. One, I would like to consider what kind of servant was Moses? What kind of servant was he? And secondly, I would like to consider what can we learn about serving the Lord from the life and death of Moses? And the last question would be, what advice would Moses give us today concerning serving the Lord? And so we're going to take a couple of incidents out of the life of Moses. Obviously, if we wanted to study Moses in its entirety, we would be here a long time, many weeks and months, because there is much about Moses as the Lord's servant. But today, I'd like to consider two aspects of Moses' life. He was a man of faith. Moses was a man of faith. And we find in Exodus, and I'm going to read some of these passages just so we can get a feel of what we can learn of Moses. Moses was a man of faith. In Exodus chapter 14, and I'm going to read these for you, but you're welcome to read along. We're going to look at verses uh, 5 to 18. I'll try not to comment too much. But you remember, this is the story where Moses had been raised up by God. He had been commissioned to go to Egypt to stand up and speak against Pharaoh, to tell Pharaoh, thus saith the Lord, let my people go. So man, you know, I don't know about you, but that would take a lot of faith. And Moses was a man of faith. And so he went and he stood before the Pharaoh. And of course, we're we're told that Pharaoh wouldn't listen to Moses. Who are you and who's this God you serve? And it took 10 plagues to finally bring Pharaoh and his people to the place that they were willing to let God's people go. And the last one was the 10th plague was the death of the firstborn. Now, that had to be a very heavy hand of God upon the people of Egypt, that every firstborn of their children and their livestock died. Could you imagine what impact that would have on you, on me, if God dealt with us in such a way? Well, by that time, the people of Egypt had had it. Please, Pharaoh, let these people go. We can't stand any more of this. And Pharaoh said, I agree, let them go. And so 
Israel, in their leaving, was compensated by the Lord. Uh, he put it on the Egyptians' hearts to basically pay them for the free labor that they had given for over 400 years. Um, so reparations. And so they left, and they left rather proudly about that. Oh, we got our freedom. We're going to follow Moses, and he's taking us that way. So they headed out with all the gold that they received and the freedom and the animals and their families, and they headed out. And then we pick up the story here in verse 5 where we're told, When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officers changed their minds about them. Now, picture this in your mind. They're finally leaving. Good. But now they've left. And they said this. What have we done? We have let the Israelites go and have lost their services. So he and his chariot, or he had his chariots made ready and took his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots along with all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, of king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea of Pi-ha-harith. Right, Maro? Yes, okay. I was telling her about the, some of these words are hard to pronounce, and she tried to pronounce it, and she, she did a terrible job <laughs> this morning. And I said, stop, please. Now I can't pronounce them. <laughs> so anyway, it means near the Hiroth, if you know what that means. Anyway, uh, opposite Baal Zephon, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out to the desert to die? What have we done to, what have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, Leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. And Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring to you today. The Egyptians who you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the waters so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Now, I read that passage because I wanted us to get a good feel of what kind of man Moses was. He was a man of faith. Here, he was... Leading, we don't really know how many people, but it was well over a million people. And all of their, their livestock, their, their uh, property. And he leads them out into the desert, and there they are, camped in front of a Red Sea, boxed in. 
And they were feeling pretty good about the situation. They felt, this is great. And then somebody, I guess, saw the Egyptian army coming. And I'm sure it wasn't like, hey, what do you think that is up there? I think it was mayhem. I think it was panic. And you notice that the people began to complain to Moses. They began to accuse him of things. Um, And though they had experienced deliverance from the bondage of slavery, they were now afraid not only of the future, because what lies out in the desert? But now they were also afraid of the past that lied behind him. Them. Notice they said to him, you know, did you bring us out of here just to die? Did you bring us out of here because there wasn't enough graves? We would have been better to stay in Egypt. Remember we told you in Egypt, leave us alone. Leave us alone. Now, I don't know about you, but I wonder what Moses was thinking at this moment. You know, you've got all these people that have trusted you. You're leading, you're following the Lord's leading, and and he's brought you into this boxed area surrounded by hills and a big sea. And here comes the army of Egypt. So what did Moses say? He said, don't be afraid. Stand firm, be still. That takes a lot of faith. A lot of faith. Because Moses knew that Yahweh would protect his people from harm and would provide them the safety they needed to survive the enemy's attack. I could probably hear him thinking, the victory belongs to the Lord because God will fight for us and deliver us from the schemes of our adversaries. But I, I've got this weird humor thing about me. I, I'm reading this, and Moses says, stand fast. You know, just stand still. The Lord's going to fight our battles. And about that time, the Lord says, Moses, get these people out of here. Move. <laughs> and I don't know about you, but that, I find that funny. Because, you know, oftentimes we think we hear from the Lord, and we, yeah, I'm going to stand on that. And then the Lord somehow through someone or something will say, you need to get going. <laughs> Moses was a man of faith, and we could read a lot more about his faith in the Lord. But Moses was not only a man of faith, he was also a man well-experienced with failure. He was a man of failure. Now, that's not blasphemy. It's just the Bible. (laughs) The Bible tells us that Moses, who is a man of God called, a man of faith who spoke personally, to God, face to face, was also a man who had his times of doubt. And sometimes his times of doubt led to disobedience. Anyone here know what that's like? Yeah, we all know that. So Moses experienced failure. Let me read another passage, and I'll try to read it as quickly as I can here, but I think, again, it's important. In uh, Numbers chapter 20, and we'll start with verse 1, it says, In the first month, the whole Israelite community arrived at the desert of Zin, and they stayed at Kadesh. There Miriam, who was Moses' sister, died and was buried. Now, there was no water for the community, and the people gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron. They quarreled with Moses and said, 
If only we had died when our brothers fell dead before the Lord. Why did you bring the Lord's community into this desert that we and our livestock should die here? Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to this terrible place? It it has no grain or figs, grapevines or pomegranates, and there's no water to drink. Moses and Aaron went from the assembly to the entrance of the tent of meeting and fell face down. And the glory of the Lord appeared to them. The Lord said to Moses, take the staff and you and your brother gather the assembly together. Speak to that rock before their eyes and it will pour, it will pour out its water. You will bring out of the rock, you'll bring water out of the rock for the community so that they and their livestock can live. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence as he had commanded him. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock. And Moses said to them, I love this. Listen, you rebels. (laughs) You got my attention, Mo. (laughs) We must bring, must we bring water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice. Ooh, you, ooh, can you imagine? You rotten people. Ooh, ooh, you know, <laughs> I know none of you act like that, but uh, at least not here at church. Okay, then Moses raised his arm, struck the right. Water gashed out, and the community and their livestock drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land that I give them. These were the waters of Meribah, where the Israelites quarreled with the Lord and where he showed himself holy among them. So Moses, this great man of faith, had a great experience at failure. Although the, the Lord had provided the Israelites with food and water during their 40-year journey to the promised land and had protected them from the attacks of their enemies, they doubted God's servant and challenged his authority. Notice what they said to him. Why did you bring us to this terrible place? So not only did they not trust the Lord, because who was leading them? The Lord was leading them through Moses. And now they're, they're upset because, hey, we had a better life back in Egypt. We had leeks and onions, garlic. Now, that tastes well, but you don't want to be around people too long who have been eating leeks, garlic, and onions, right? But they had a great life. And why did you bring us all? And this is 40 years later after they had left. So this is actually the rotten kids of the rotten parents. <laughs> and Moses gets so upset with these people Even though the Lord said, look, Moses, I'm going to provide for him. Go back. And all you have to do is take that staff. Remember, that's the same staff he he had in Egypt when he he touched the Nile River, when he touched the, the Red Sea. He said, just take that staff because that was the symbol of God's authority as Moses, the leader. So take that staff, and I just want you to hold the staff and just speak to the rock. Well, Moses was really uptight at this point. He's angry with these people, rotten people. And the first thing he says, he calls them rebels. You rebels, 
want me to do this? And he gets so mad, he starts beating on the rock. It's the proverbial kicking the cat. Only this time, you beat on the rock. And he, he I'm sure he, he wasn't talking in a, a very, uh, you rebels, did you not know? You know, he was upset. He was a real person, like you and I. And we get upset sometimes. We're supposed to trust the Lord. We doubt, and then we end up in disobedience. And so out of anger, Moses retaliated against the rebels, as he called them, and he disobeyed the Lord's command to speak to the rock in front of the people. And as a result of his failure to honor God, he and his brother Aaron were punished for their unbelief. Now, this might sound like a hard message. Why would God be so mean? You know, couldn't he just give Moses and Aaron a, a little slack? But I was thinking, you know, I, Margo and I have, uh, we have two children and, and three grandchildren, and we just had our, the arrival of our first great-grandchild. Margo said, that makes us great-grandparents. I said, I thought we were great anyway. But anyway. But I, I think about this. I think about how God deals with his people. When, when we were younger parents, and our children were small, and they used to sometimes egg each other on, tease each other, irritate one another, aggravate one another. And whoever was the culprit, I would usually say, you go to your room. And that meant you go to your room, shut the door, you stay there until you're sorry and you ask your brother or your sister you know, for forgiveness. And, and you have to stay there separated from us. I know it probably sounds like a mean dad, huh? <laughs> and the idea was that you need to take a time out and think about what you've done. And then when you come to your senses and you realize, oh, I was mean to my brother or my sister, I'll come back and, and ask everybody's forgiveness and tell them I'm sorry. Well, you know, while our son or our daughter was in the room contemplating their situation, our fellowship had been broken. In other words, we may be at the table and the rest of us are eating and the other ones in the room thinking about, hopefully thinking about the wrong they had done. Our fellowship was broken, but not our relationship. There was never a time that our son, our daughter, no matter how bad they were, how much they got in trouble, there's never been a time that we haven't been his or her mom and dad. Fellowship can be broken, but not relationship. And so when God tells Moses and Aaron, look, you guys disobeyed me. You didn't trust me. You misrepresented me in front of all the people. Yeah, I know they're rebellious. I know they're stinkers, Moses. But I love them, and I love you. But you've been a bad prophet. You've been a bad leader. And so although you're going to see the promised land, you're not going to have the privilege to lead these people in. But I want you to know something, Moses. Remember, I called you and I'm going to allow you to see the fulfillment of this promise that was made hundreds of years early. And so Moses and his brother eventually died. And um, Moses was able to see the promised land, but not go into it. So on one hand, Moses, a great man of faith. On the other hand, Moses, like us, oftentimes 
a great man of failure. We all experience this. So what can we learn from Moses, from his life and his death about serving the Lord? Well, first of all, I'd like to say, even if we fail in our service to the Lord, he, that is the Lord, remains faithful. That is so good to know. Aren't you glad to know that regardless of our failures, God doesn't fail us. He's faithful to us. You know, Moses was honored by God to see the land God promised to his forefathers. That's what we're told in that text in Deuteronomy chapter 34, that God said, Moses, um, you're being chastised. You're being corrected. And by the way, what good father doesn't chasten his child? I know that's not popular today. It's not politically correct. That's barbaric or whatever. But, you know, I'm so glad that God loves us and he's a good father. How about you? Yes. So he chastens Moses. He says, you can't go in. But I want, to, I want to honor you, Moses, because you have been a faithful servant to me. I want you to come up to the top of Mount Pisgah, and I want you to overlook the whole land of promise. And he could see for miles and miles and miles the area that God was about to bring the people into. And that was God's way of honoring Moses. Wow, God is so good, isn't he? Did Moses deserve his correction? Yes. Did Moses break fellowship with the Lord? Yes. But God, who is faithful, never broke relationship with Moses. That's important. We can learn that. We can also learn that even if we fail in our service to the Lord, he will not forsake us. God will not forsake us. Moses was punished for his unbelief and disobedience, yet God still demonstrated his love for him by caring for his servant even in death. Chapter 34, verse 6. Moses dies in the desert, in the wilderness. And we're told that it's God himself, none other than God himself, who buries Moses. Now, we've lost a daughter. And I know some of you have lost family and friends. When you love somebody, do you just say, oh, well, that's it. It's all over. You just leave them there, wherever they're at, and you move on with your life? No. You love your child. You love your, your sibling. You love your parents, your friends. And you will do everything and anything to honor them because you love them. Think about this. God personally, God personally buried Moses. I don't know about you, but wow. Moses, I brought you up here. Your time has come to an end. Oh, by the way, you know, our t- <laughs> unless the Lord comes first, we're all going to one day go to be at the Lord. So Moses, your time has come to an end, and I, but I want to bless you. I want you to see. I want you to, to understand. I appreciate the life you lived for me. And now you're going to die. I wonder if Moses is saying, life is hard, didn't you die? But I don't know, but he died. And the Lord personally buried Moses, even in his death. Why? Because God loves Moses. Even though Moses may have been a great man of faith from time to time, he was also a man 
who failed. And yet God loved them. So I think we can learn from this that God wants us to be faithful. We should do everything we can by God's grace to be faithful. But when we fail, God is faithful. When we break fellowship, God remains faithful. So what advice do you think Moses might give us about serving the Lord? Well, there's a psalm, Psalm 90, verse 12. It happens to be a psalm written by Moses. And I'll read that for you. I have it in my notes right here. Listen to this. Listen to this. He says, teach us, he's speaking to the Lord, teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Lord, life is short. We have no idea how long you've granted us life here on earth. It could be 120 years. It could be one day. We don't know. But Lord, teach us to number our days. What does that mean? Gosh, life is short, isn't it? And as I'm getting to close to my 71st birthday, it's like, where did it all go? It goes fast. Health issues, finances, problems. Life is so short. Lord, help me to be faithful and to remember to teach, uh, remember, help me to remember to count my days are short. But Lord, also help me to gain a heart of wisdom. Help me to apply my heart so that I will be faithful. So that when I'm confronted with failures, I'll recognize what I need to do. I recognize who you are. And so we need to number our days. So we need to be mindful of our time. For example, and I'm going to close here. Moses spent the first 40 years of his life in the land of Egypt learning to be somebody. You remember, he was drawn from the water, from the Nile River. Now, I don't know about his mom, but she put him in a a reed basket, put him in the Nile River to hide him because the government had decided that all male children were to be killed. Well, she loves her child. What are you going to do? You try to hide him. But I'm thinking, but there's crocodiles in that river. (laughs) And but hey, that's no problem for the Lord, because the Lord brought Pharaoh's daughter down to the river one day to take a bath. And she hears crying in this little basket and she opens the lid and there's this beautiful little Hebrew boy and her heart is smitten. Oh, she fell in love with this little boy and she knew he was a little Hebrew baby. And she found out who the mother was and said, keep this child, nurse him until he's old enough to be weaned and then I'll bring him home. And he came to the palace of Pharaoh and he grew up in the land of Egypt as a prince, a somebody. Well, to be a somebody in the land of Egypt, you had to go to school, you had to have uh, abilities, you had to have, you know, everything that makes you a leader. And one day, he realized that he was in a very unique situation. Here I am in the house of Pharaoh. I'm a prince of Egypt. And my people are over here suffering. They're suffering. I'm going to do something about it. And so we learned that he went down to where his brethren were. And he saw an an Egyptian striking one of his kinfolk. Now, them fighting words here in the hills. You don't, you know, I can hit my brother. You don't hit my brother, right? And Moses goes down and he kills the Egyptian. 
and he hides the body, thinking, well, maybe no one saw this. But the next day, he went down to visit his brothers, thinking, hey, I'm here to help you. I'm, I'm in a position that I can help you. And they said, what are you going to do? You're going to kill us like you killed the Egyptian? Remember Moses heard that? He was terrified. And what did he do? He ran for the hills. He left Egypt, left it all behind because he was afraid. For the next 40 years, Moses spent his life in the Midian wilderness learning to be a nobody. He went from the palace down to the desert. And now he's out there tending sheep for his father-in-law. 40 years he was there until he received a call from the Lord. And he was sitting there, and I don't, I don't know if you remember uh, Cecil B. DeMille's The Ten Commandments. I, I love that movie, although I know it's not real accurate in points. But, but he's sitting there, and he's looking at this bush burning, and he's thinking, it's not being consumed. What is this? And so he went up to look at it. And you remember he got close to the bush, and you remember the voice? Moses, Moses, Cliff remembers. <laughs> that's, that's your favorite part, right, Cliff? <laughs> Clifford, <didn't I? laughs> Moses, take off your sandals from off thy feet, for the ground on which you stand is holy. Now, I don't know if God talks like that, but he gets this call, and God says, I want you to go back to Egypt, and I want you to confront Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go. What was Moses' response? You know, he had enough courage, faith to walk up to see this burning bush. But then when God tell him, tells him, you're going to go back and talk to Pharaoh, what was his response? Okay, yes, sir, Lord, I'm going to go. I'm, I've got everything I need to No, what was He was afraid. Oh, well, who am I? Who am I to speak? I can't speak. I'm nobody. So he's been sitting out there 40 years with those sheep, realizing you're nobody. But God says, I want you to be somebody for me. And so Moses goes back, and we heard the story. The last 40 years of Moses' life was spent 40 years in the desert of Sinai, learning to be the Lord's servant, learning to do things God's way. So we need to be mindful of our time. And the last thing is, I think Moses would tell us, we need to seek to know and obey the Lord's will. Is that the cry of your heart this morning? Lord, I want to know your will. I want to understand who you are and and what you have for me to do. But Lord, I also know I need your grace. I need your power. I need your enabling, your direction to obey your will. So I want to encourage us this week, in the weeks to come, the months to come, however many days we have left, to be mindful to number our days. Be mindful that we ask the Lord, help us to have hearts of wisdom in what we say, in what we do, in what we think how we treat each other, how we treat the people that God has brought here to this community from other areas. How can we be a servant of the Lord? Would you join me with a prayer? Lord, we thank you for your word and we thank you 
that we can honestly look at ourselves because your word is that powerful, sharp sword that divides even the very marrow of our being. Thank you that your word searches us and shows us the way you would have us to go. And we would pray, Lord, this day that as you've called us here, those of us who know you, to be your servants, called us here to serve you and to serve one another, that you would help us to learn to be men and women of faith. But we'd also help pray that you'd help us to remember that when any of us fell, like you, Lord, you haven't called us to bury them. <laughs> you called us to love them and to encourage them. And we'll leave the burying to you, Lord. So we pray that you guide us, help us to know your will, and help us to be your people. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.